this is Leah, and welcome to this week's Hashtag For Paris podcast. It is wonderful that you could join us for this week's teaching. I'll explain a little bit more about who we are at the end, but for now, let's jump right in. I'm sure for all of us, we know and we understand, we face the reality of suffering, of, of difficulties, of uh, the brokenness of life. And no matter how old, no matter how young, uh, no matter how seemingly successful you are, uh, no one is immune. Uh, regardless of what you believe about God, whether you believe in him or not, again, it doesn't give you a pass for the sufferings of life. We face it in a variety of ways. We perhaps face the, the suffering and the difficulties of grief, of loved ones that are no longer with us. And, and for some of you, this may be more recent. To others, it may be a reality that you are continuing to look back upon as that someone that was so special is no longer with you. Or we see the suffering of sickness, perhaps something that has just recently come up or something that has been ongoing for years, and, and you know just the difficulties that it brings. Or perhaps for others, you experience the suffering of the brokenness of relationships, whether with siblings or whether with parents or whether even within husband and wife. And we know the grief and the suffering that it can cause. For others, suffering may come in the, the place of, of job, of just looking for work or being unsatisfied with it or, or working in an environment where it's just not going on. Suffering can come in such a variety of ways and in so many different places. And so the place I want to land here is, is not in a flippant matter, not in a dismissive matter, but, but how do we respond? How do we respond in the midst of the difficulties and the suffering of life? So often when I think of suffering, it's, it's almost that, that reality that robs us of hope, takes away that, that glimmer of light. Over the last number of weeks, months, actually, we've been talking about Jesus, not only who he is and what he has done, but, but ultimately, how does this begin to become a reality for us when we follow him? And so today, I, I want to look at an encounter of Jesus that, that I believe is, is one of the primary places, one of the most important places for us to turn if, if we truly want to find hope in the midst of hardships, in the midst of brokenness, that that how actually the, the suffering of Jesus can, can provide hope for us in the midst of whatever we are facing. And so regardless of where you are, regardless of what you believe about God, I, I believe this is a message for us. A message that, that will help us perhaps take a step closer, not necessarily out of the difficulties, but rather to a greater sense of hope. And so I want to turn to a situation near the very end of Jesus' life. On the night when Jesus is about to be arrested, he has just celebrated the, the Jewish Passover with his disciples. And it's, and it's in this meal that you would have started to see the reality of what Jesus was about to face. For it's in this meal that, that Jesus declared that, that one of those closest to him was going to betray him. Uh, another one was going to deny him. And actually everyone was going to abandon him in perhaps his greatest hour, his darkest hour, his hour of need. And it's here that Jesus, as he often does, in crucial moments in his life and ministry, 
he steps away and goes to a quiet place. He goes to a garden to, to pray. And it's in this prayer that the Bible opens up for us an incredible intimate encounter with Jesus. As, as Jesus opens up his heart and, and essentially pours out the reality of not only what he's about to face, but how it is impacting him. Maybe if you're someone who's watching here today and you have kind of been uh, reluctant or kind of at arm's length when it comes to God and, and, and does God really care or does God really understand, I, I really hope that this becomes a passage that, that you may even take time to go back to, to start to see the reality of all that Jesus has done for us. It's in Mark chapter 14, and it begins with verse 32, and, and this is what Mark tells us. They went to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And Jesus said, sit here while I go and pray. He took Peter, James, and John with him. And he became deeply troubled and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little further and fell to the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the awful hour awaiting him might pass him by. Abba, Father, he cried out, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then he returned and found the disciples asleep. He, he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Keep watch and pray, said you will not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Then Jesus left them again and prayed the same prayer as before. When he returned to them again, he found them sleeping, for they couldn't keep their eyes open, and they didn't know what to say. When he returned to them the third time, he said, go ahead and sleep, have your rest, but no, the time has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinner. Up, let's be going. Look, my betrayer is here. As I, as I land on this place, as we, as we start to see the reality of what Jesus is facing, I just, I so appreciate the, the honesty of the Bible. The, the Bible paints this, this picture of, of Jesus suffering, of being incredibly distressed, to the point where he is actually pleading with the Father. Jesus is fully aware of, of what is about to happen, of how in the matter of moments he is going to be taken to the authorities. He will be arrested, and the following day he's going to be condemned. He's going to be beaten. He's going to be humiliated. He's going to be spit upon, and then he's going to have to face the excruciating reality of the death upon the cross. And what I, what I appreciate is just the, the honesty and intimacy of this passage, where where Jesus is, is pleading with the Father that this cup, this, 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 this Hebrew metaphor of the wrath of God being poured out upon the evil of the world, the sin, would be taken from him. That the brokenness of the world, that the brokenness of humanity would not be laid upon Jesus. That if there was any other way, may this cup pass. Jesus recognized that he is facing his darkest hour. 
There seems to be a bit of a disconnect when you, when you look at the rest of the ministry of Jesus. Because oftentimes Jesus was the epitome of calm, of composure. And so you, you almost ask, like, like, why now? Why is Jesus now facing such distress, such, such brokenness in the midst of what is to come? Is it simply because of the terror of the physical pain, of the emotional anguish? Make no mistake, it, it, it would have been horrible. Crucifixion was, was one of the most horrible ways to die. It was actually eventually gotten rid of because it was just too excruciating. Actually, at the time of Jesus, no Roman citizen could ever be crucified because it was seen as being so inhumane. It was through crucifixion that would often take hours, if not days, for the suffocation eventually to take place. And so, yes, it would have been a horrible way to die. But there was something greater. Jesus is, is asking for this cup to be passed, not simply because of the physical and the emotional anguish, but because of the spiritual separation of Jesus bearing the brunt of the sin of the world upon himself, of how he would be separated from the Father, cut off. The very reality of the, what we would experience if sin was not dealt with. Jesus was bearing for our sake. And so Jesus is asking if there's any other way. Take this cup from me. Which begins to remind us why the cross is, is the central symbol of what we believe as Christians. Because as we see what unfolds, there was no other way. That Jesus needed to go to the cross. And he understood this as he made that final declaration, yet, Father, not my will, but your will be done. Jesus, in many ways, lived the epic life. I've often heard it described that people can live a good, a great, or an epic life. A, a good life is literally the good life. You, you go through life, life goes well, it goes according to plan, that, yes, there may be bumps along the way, but ultimately, nothing significant harms you. The great life is a life where you face suffering, where you face difficulties, and you're able to per persevere for your own benefit. The epic life is when you step into a place of brokenness and suffering for the benefit of others. Jesus lived not the good, not the great, but Jesus lived the epic life because of the cross. It's why in a few weeks we're going to celebrate Good Friday because it was God's Friday. It was where sin was dealt with, where ultimately the brokenness of the world came through the suffering of Jesus. In many ways, this, this encounter starts to open up to us all that Jesus went through for us, for our benefit. But maybe you're watching, you're thinking, well, this is, this is great, and, and thank you for all that. But, but seriously, how does this, how does this have to deal with the suffering that I'm going through today? The brokenness of a relationship, or, 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 or the terrible news of, of sickness that I have received, or, or the grief that seems just to be bearing down upon me. I believe this is one of the most important passages in the entire Bible for us not only to understand suffering, but for how we can find hope in the midst of it. 
This passage shows us the, the ultimate love of Jesus for us. Oftentimes there's a tendency that in the midst of brokenness, in the midst of hardship, in the midst of suffering, we, we may land at a place of wondering, has God abandoned us? Has God stepped away from us? Does God fully appreciate and understand what is happening to us? It's this passage that begins to show us that God understands, that Jesus has been there, that we worship a God who weeps, we worship a God who bleeds, we worship a God who's walked through the darkest valley so that we may have hope in the midst of life. And for me personally, it's the place I come to when I'm in the face of suffering to be reminded of the hope that I have because of the cross and because of Jesus. But I believe this is such an important passage, not just, not just simply because it shows what God has done for us, but it begins to show us how we can respond when we are faced with difficulties and suffering, how, how we can remain faithful. Because I know often in life, it's in the moments of suffering that we land at a crossroads where we are given a choice, where we step closer to God or where we allow the sufferings to pull us further away. And so the place I want to land is, is how do we step into the presence of Jesus in the midst of our sufferings? We see it in the example of Jesus. The very first thing is, 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 is we don't become stoic. We, we don't, as followers of Jesus, just simply think, well, you know what, this, this has no bearing on my life. Do you notice how Jesus poured out his heart to the Father? He, he, he actually pleaded with the Father that this cup would be taken from him, not once, but on a number of occasions. He goes back and back. He pours it all out. The faithful response is not to have the stiff, stiff upper lip, not, not to be the shiny, happy Christian, but, but to face the reality and to recognize the pain that impacts us, the brokenness of this world, and bring it unedited to God. It's what we see throughout the Bible. In, in the book of Psalms, the very middle part of the Bible is essentially the, the prayer book of the nation of Israel, both personal and corporate prayers. And there's a number of prayers that actually deal with this very reality of brokenness. And they lay it all out. They don't hold back. You see, I think sometimes we trip ourselves up and think that we only should say what we think God needs to hear from us. God, God wants to know our heart. And it's often in the honesty and the brokenness where we come as we are that we begin to get a greater glimpse of the closeness of God. The second thing is, we see that Jesus didn't walk into his darkest hour alone. He actually brought the disciples with him. As messed up as they were, as much as they were going to disappoint and let Jesus down, he still brought them with him. I think sometimes we approach suffering by, by trying to deal with it on our own, and that's not the way of Jesus. And so the question I ask is, do, do you have people in your corner, people who, who can come alongside you to, to, to not necessarily say much or not offer solutions, but just simply to be with you? 
Or maybe you're on the other side and you, you know people who are suffering and you, you almost hesitate to step in because you're wondering, what do I say? What do I do? What I've learned over and over again as I step into the brokenness of people's lives, it's, it's not the words that I speak. It's not the solutions that I offer. It's just simply being there with them. There's something significant. It's why, it's why as a church, we, we stress the importance of being together with others. That, that following Jesus is not meant to be a go-alone faith. We need the support and the encouragement of one another. And the third thing I, I see in the example of Jesus is that he ultimately chose trust. After Jesus poured out his heart, as he asked for this cup to be taken from him, he, he landed at a place of submission and obedience where he says, but not my will, Father, yours be done. Let those words roll over you a little bit. Words that we don't say flippantly. Words not to dismiss the hurt or the hardships that you are facing. But it's an act of trust. A willingness to be faithful. As you look to the cross and see what Jesus has done and, and ultimately give your life over to him. Trust for me is the image of a young child clinging to the parent particularly in those moments where, where they are scared or they are uncertain or, or something has happened that has shaken them. You, you see it in little children. They, they may be going it on their own and things are all great and happy, but suddenly something upsets them. They look for the person they trust the most, father, a mother, a grandparent, an older sibling, and they, and they, they literally run to them and cling to them and hold on to them, not knowing what else is going to happen around them, but they know that if they are with them, they're in a better place. For me, that's an image of faith. That we cling to Jesus when things are uncertain, when we are unsettled, perhaps even when we are terrified at what is going on. Not because we know what is going to happen. Not because we know the situation may even be sorted. But that we want to be close to the one who cares and can provide. There's a key phrase at the very end of this encounter. It's when Jesus returns a third time to the disciples and sees them asleep yet again. And he says, the time has come. And what sets in motion is everything else that is about to take place. What's interesting is you see from this moment on, Jesus' posture has changed. But as you see Jesus then on trial before Pilate, the the Roman governor of the time, the, the one who could actually free Jesus, the one who really had no vested interest in this, in this man, saw how he was innocent, how it was mere jealousy that the religious leaders were bringing him before him to be, to be crucified. Like, Pilate's like almost, are you kidding me? Yet Jesus was calm. Jesus offered no defense. He was willing to step into what was about to happen. We, we see this incredible change in posture, from one of distress to one of being filled with a sense of peace. That's the gift of the power of the Spirit of God. And I believe that is the gift that's available to us as well. That when we lean into Jesus, when we cling to Jesus, we too will be filled with a sense of peace, a sense of strength. 
for you in your life, in the midst of whatever you are facing, how can you find hope in the midst of perhaps your darkest hour? I believe it's in leaning in to Jesus. And so I want to I just close with prayer and use it as an opportunity where I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray and then leave moments of just silence for you to perhaps to, to speak your own situation into it. But so that what I talk about and what we see here is not just simply something we read or something we hear, but a reality that we can begin to live out so that we can find hope in the midst of perhaps our greatest darkness. So let us pray together. And so Lord Jesus, we come to you this day and I come not knowing what those on the other side of this are facing. But Jesus, may they know that you do. And so Jesus, we come not with well-polished words or not with just pretending things are all right, but we just simply come bearing the brokenness of what we are facing. And so in these moments, Jesus, we offer them to you. Lord God, as I sit and just in this silence, I think of family, I think of friends, I think of people within this community of faith at the church and the hardships and the hurts that they are facing. Lord God, may we know, may those watching know that we do not need to walk through this alone, that you are a God who cares, for you are a God who weeps, you are a God who bleeds for our sake. And so may we do nothing other than cling to you. May we continue to put our hope and our trust in you. For we ask this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. For some of you watching here today, maybe this is just the first step in many steps of, of allowing Jesus to become more a priority in your life. If you want people to, to come around you and to support you and to pray with you or for you or just to, just to talk with you, be happy to set that up. Send me an email and we can connect and we can, we can talk further as to what this begins to look like. Maybe for some of you here today, this, this is the first step where you actually say, Jesus, I want you as a part of my life. And you're wondering, what does this begin to look like? I too would love to chat with you about, about baptism and just all that it means and, and how you publicly confess just your need for Jesus in life. One of the things about following Jesus is that we put our trust in him in the midst of all things. And when we do, we begin to experience this abundance that he offers that, that is not always based upon the circumstances and situations, but on his presence with us. And so may you reach out, may we connect and allow this, this God who died on the cross for you and for me become a part of your life this day. And so now may God's blessing and love 
Now may the grace and peace of Jesus, and now may just the comfort of the Holy Spirit be with you today and in all of your tomorrows. Amen. today. We hope that you were encouraged by what you just heard. Just so you know a little bit more about who we are, hashtag for Paris, our church is about creating a culture that shows people that we are for them and for our local community. Jesus invites us to experience a meaningful life with him and others. So we meet every Sunday morning in person at the Paris Presbyterian Church at 1030 a.m. and throughout the week in various home groups and pubs here in Paris. It is here that we experience authentic relationships and we grow deep in our faith journeys together. If you would like to connect with us further, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And it is here that you can find links to any of our other audio and video podcasts, sermons, and you can track with what's happening with us each month. Please go straight to our website for more information now about our home groups and how you can get involved. Our website is parispresb.ca. Yes, that's right, parispresb, P-R-E-S-B.ca. And it's there that you can share our links with your friends, family, and neighbors. Uh, we have friends from around the world who connect in with us online on a regular basis. And so lastly, please feel free to email me and get connected directly. I would love to chat with you. My email is leah at parispres.ca, and I'll get back, right back to you. So that's all we have for now. Thanks again for joining, and we'll see you again next week. Bye for now, everyone.